Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to The Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello everyone, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome back to The Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here. I don't even know if I said extract right now or extract, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's lovely to be back and, um, gosh, so many new things. (laughs) Um, first of all, it's a weird day today. Today is the SRA Awards, which I was telling you guys about last week, which I'm really honoured to have been nominated for. So I've got that this evening, which is, um, scary. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it was scary to be fair. Um, I think I'm more excited just because, again, it's just an honour to have been nominated for something and um, I'm just really looking forward to meeting some new people and getting dressed up and potentially winning something, but I guess you won't know until later. Um, In other news, in the last day, um, I'm really, really, really happy to announce that I now have a baby niece, um, which is really, really exciting. So congratulations to my sister and her husband. I'm like ecstatic. They told me in the middle of the night yesterday and I just couldn't sleep afterwards. Um, But yeah, that's been me all this morning, just being hyped up and happy because I think I'm an aunt now. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. I don't think I've ever been an aunt before, but I'm really, really excited because I'm very, very close to my sister. She looked after me. Uh, she's my cousin's sister. Um, you know, like we've been close for forever and she was always like a small mom. Um, so, you know, I'm just really proud of her and really, really excited to see what kind of mom she is because it's just going to be fun. Like I, I'm still in disbelief because I'm always, when I think of my sister, I think of like you know, staying up late in the night and like whispering secrets and suddenly bada bing bada boom she's got a baby and it's just like what? Um but it's just made me so unbelievably excited and so happy. So again, congratulations to them and woo Um but yeah, that that's just me today. I'm just a bundle of happy. Just it's just happy. I felt so happy. It's been ages since we've had a baby in our family. <laughs> um and so yeah, it's just really exciting. So this week's episode is called Beyond the Binary and that's because I've had the honour of speaking to the wonderful, wonderful Ren Fernandez Kim and they are an educator, they're an activist, they're an artist, they're an anthropologist and they're honestly one of the coolest people I've ever met. Uh, They're so fun to talk to and so incredibly funny and insightful and intelligent and just so captivating to listen to. I mean, you're going to hear me during this interview. I space out quite a bit because they're such a good storyteller and it's very, very easy to just get lost in their words. I felt like it was so captivating. So in this episode, we talk about you know, Ren's journey of becoming an educator and how they got to where they are so far. We talk about Hispanic Heritage Month. We talk about their, you know, how to be an ally to the the Korean um, community. We talked about how to be an ally to the LGBTQIA community and uh, Ren's experience growing up as a non-binary individual. We also talk about colonialism a little bit and I found that really, really interesting. And we talk about, you know, how there were, 
examples of non-binary, gender fluid, two-spirit people back in the day. We talk about API and yeah, just lots of stuff. And we meme about for a bit, we laugh and it's just a really fun conversation. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear it. What else? What else has been going on in my life? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like yeah, I think I'm just on a high at the moment because of all this baby news. It's all very exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, on another note, I listened to a brilliant episode on the I Way podcast. For anyone who doesn't know, you should definitely listen. And it's about the Britney Spears uh, conservatorship. Britney is not the guest before you get very hyped up. But it's two women um, who actually, you know, co-founded the Free Britney movement Um And they are absolutely incredible. I definitely, definitely recommend you to listen to this episode because I learned so, so, so much. And these two guests are called Tess Barker and Babs. And they're both podcasters on their own. And they started, I think, like a podcast about Britney like last year or maybe a couple of years ago, just talking about her Instagram. And suddenly they started to get more involved in what's actually going on here um, until they received an anonymous tip or a phone call from I think some paralegal confirming that their uh, concerns about the conservatorship was right and so you know they started the free Britney movement and you know it's become this massive thing now but I mean I'm not an expert on it so I definitely recommend you guys to listen to it because I would love to explain more about it but I'm still learning about it and yeah <laughs> so listen to that new episode I weigh it's on Spotify Jamila Jamil is a brilliant host and that's that so I have some pretty exciting news and I've been waiting forever to say this exciting news I guess but um yeah okay bit of background so one of my guests who came onto my show was the lovely 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 extraordinary incredible Jiminika Eborn and she is a sex educator and a sexual assault and trauma expert and um, you might recognize her from my episode Trauma Queen which is honestly one of my favorite episodes so please listen to it but she has a organization called Tending the Garden and it's a space that she's created for sexual assault survivors who are marginalized to you know find the help that they need and talk to people who have decades of experience like sex therapists and other educators and facilitators and um, well basically she created a wonderful board of members um, with some extraordinary people and uh, one of them is now me so I'm very excited to say that I am now a board member of Tending the Garden and I'm so honoured because You know, I always talk about how marginalized communities aren't represented enough anywhere. You know, the whole reason I do the show is to amplify minority voices. And I think, especially with things like sexual assault, um, you know, it it has become more difficult to bring people into the conversation. So I love what Tending the Garden is doing. And I'm so, so, so honored to be a part of it. so that's what I wanted to tell you which is very exciting (laughs) but enough of my weird banter today I feel so awkward I don't know why I think it might just be a mix of excitement and suspense I don't know ignore me but in celebration of this new baby girl uh, here is a song which I absolutely love and that's Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder enjoy (laughs) 
Hello, Ren. Welcome to Vanilla Extract. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, <laughs> how's your day been going so far? I know we have quite a big time difference-ish. Oh yeah, I know. I'm sure it's pretty late for you, but I'm doing well so far. It's like 2 p.m.-ish over here. I'm puppy sitting. Wow. Um, and I'm just kind of chilling, doing some some work, some editing, just kind of figuring out what my content's going to look like for November. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Planning in advance, something that I should do in life. But... It's okay. I don't do it that often either. And honestly, <laughs> no matter how much I plan, as a content creator, you just have to kind of go with the flow mm-hmm. because you never know what's going to be trending. You never know what's going to happen. So I just try to have like buffer or like things set up but it's never 100% planned. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty new at all this content creative stuff, but I think I'm always one to talk about stuff when I'm really passionate about it. Um, And I just go with that energy because I found that when I was trying to kind of go, okay, so this and this, this happens. I couldn't get into that same mindset until it was like the day before it or something like that. I don't know. I'm just blabbering. Um, But for those who don't know Ren, they are an artist, they are an educator, an anthropologist, and an all-in-all very cool human being with a really cool decorated house. I can see it, you can't, so be jealous. <laughs> but I love what they do, and um, I stalkishly followed them for a while now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've loved their educational work on Instagram, and I've learned so much from you. But, um, oh you know, for those who don't know, Ren, tell me about your journey as an educator and how you got to where you are right now, because... I'm sure it's been like a wee, but that wasn't a word, but you get what I mean. Ren, you're on mute. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't so, hear any of that. Sorry, <laughs> it's, so the, back. it's the most used word this year, I think. But yes, sorry. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> sorry. So it is more like life can definitely be wee and other moments it can be like, ah, and other moments it's just like, bleh. Uh, depending on how you go, I hope people understand what I meant by that. But in general, it has ups and downs. You never know what's going to happen. And the way I I got to where I am now is honestly baffling to me because I've always had this intention of going to medical school, staying mm-hmm. in the world of academia. Both my parents are in the world of academia. My father mostly in Spanish literature and colonialism. My mother more on the science research side, studying uh, what was it? Diabetes and Alzheimer's. Wow, brilliant. Yeah. And she was a pharmacist before she came to the States here. So mm-hmm. I mean, both very bright, brilliant people in their respective academic worlds. And so I also had the intention of doing something similar, but there was always like, I want to do more. I want to be everything. And there was never like a concise, like, I just want to be one thing. I want to specialize in this one thing. Whereas I've always been interested in dabbling into the small pockets of what humanity is and what that looks like which is how I ended up in anthropology and Mm -hmm. transferring my degree in college and then I also just ended up with the most odd jobs as I mean even as a high schooler I started off with carousel operator Mm -hmm. I eventually you know in college was worked at a restaurant I was I also had a career as a professional clown balloon twister and caricature yeah you you Uh, have you have done everything I love that I've done a little bit of everything. I've uh, I've worked at a scribe for a hospital for six months, which really helped me figure out whether or not that was for me, and it's not. Um, 
And so like there's I've just dabbled in anything and everything. Part of it, obviously, for survival, need that money. So I ha- I was like, you know what? Whatever gives me a job. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of it was just because like you can always learn something new in a new environment, whether it's about yourself or just the te- new technical skills, which I think is always great. And for me, I think that's given me a lot of like insight into like how people work and connect with each other. And I've just always loved that uh, human connectedness. Mm. And it didn't matter what career I was in, as long as I was able to just, you know, be happy and be around people that have similar values to me. And so I ended up coming to LA after graduating. Um living in Louisiana. I lived in Bloomington, Indiana for one year. And then after that, I was like, nah, I'm not going to go to grad school. I'm going to go try to give myself a chance because I was mm. like, oh, I'm going to do academics. And I just wasn't happy. Um, yeah. The academic world, just, it, it wasn't quite as fulfilling to me because I felt it was limiting and there was a lot of gatekeeping when it came to knowledge. And I felt like that should be accessible to everyone. And so as I've also always just been an educator since I was young. And I think that just comes from being an advocate as a first generation immigrant, having to talk to adults and explain to them, you know, adult things, having to handle like phone bills and, you know, handling the stuff that my parents couldn't 100% express because of the language mm. barrier. And then, you know, just expressing to other people around me, be like, this is what I have to do, why I have to do it. And this is why we do the things we do, et cetera, et cetera. And just making space for education. And I think I've always been an educator in that way since I was very, very young. And like, I even taught in private and public schools, mostly Montessori schools Mm -hmm. is what I really loved. Um, And so I felt like education and knowledge should have been accessible to everyone. And so academia is very limiting and kind of gatekeepy when it comes to their knowledge and yeah, I, I, just, I didn't appreciate it hmm. um so eventually I was like you know I'm gonna try to chase the arts that's something a part of me that I've always loved but I never nurtured and I never hmm. allowed myself to nurture because obviously immigrant story like family was like you have to succeed um <laughs> and their version of success obviously just comes down academics to financial, and yeah, academic and, yeah. financial stability I get you and, so yeah, I've always done that. And so I moved to LA, started pursuing just anything. Mm. Uh, I picked up everything, just continuing my my random sorts of work. And I worked on like film sets and things like that. And that, I really enjoyed the storytelling aspect of film. Um, and then I ended up working for my friend Blair Armani for about mm. two years as what her yeah, assistant, helping her with her smarter <laughs> seconds and all that stuff. And it was really, really fun and giant learning experience for me. And eventually I realized that that's the kind of platform I felt could probably amplify the things that I wanted as well as just amplifying other voices that need to be heard during this Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of what I'm figuring out right now, now that I'm no longer working for anyone else. I'm now freelancing and figuring out my voice and my brand, whatever that Mm. means. (laughs) And so that's where I am right now, but it's been a journey for sure. And it's, it's been a long one and I have no idea where I'm going to go up in the future, but I'm excited. I, I love that. No, I think that's great because I think it's so hard to lose your own voice when you are doing so many things, even though, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I want to do everything. Like even my dad, he always says I'm putting my fingers in too many pies and I don't know what I'm doing sometimes, but he's <laughs> but always like, you're going to get burnt, but you're putting too many things in too many pies. And I'd be like, okay, but 
we move um, but I, I personally found that I kind of lost my voice in the middle and it took a while for me to get that back so I really mm-hmm. admire you and how you want to start finding that and the brand and oh my god that doggo is so cute <laughs> I got so distracted <laughs> if I looked spaced out for a second it's because my delivery was actually my partner arriving at the door but he I think I left my door unlocked so he just crawled at the bottom of this and has now someone... <laughs> that's why I was like <laughs> like I don't know if you saw me just turn around being like what <laughs> he crawled oh, at the back space you had like, a friendly ghost that lived with you yeah. <laughs> like I could see him in the mirror <laughs> the camera oh. and I was like <laughs> he just crawled oh that's <laughs> That's very sweet of them. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that was random. But no, I really, really admire that. I think it is, as you said, like so important to kind of grasp that narrative. And I love what you've done. I love, you know, I feel like every educator has a different style and I love your style. Like I find your videos really captivating and just entertaining to watch. Like if I want to know about something, I kind of just have a little scroll. And I'm like, mm-hmm. But um you know, one of my, one of your videos that kind of stood out to me, it was, I think it was like about Hispanic Heritage Month and your posts um, surrounding that. Because here in the UK, we've, we've never really learned about things like that and some other topics too, which I wanted to ask you, but it's something that we haven't really, you know, been like, not a lot of awareness is spread and not a lot of, you know, allyship and like just no representation. And so, you know, I know it was in September, but it's really important that Hispanic people's achievements and their voices are celebrated every month, right? So I'd love to know what it's about and how it's celebrated and its significance and, you know, how we as like non-Hispanic people can take a step back to celebrate those voices whilst kind of spreading awareness. <laughs> that was yeah, a very big think- question, but... <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's fine. I think, I mean, generally, at least here, how it's celebrated and why it was invented in the first place was because there was such conflict of, quote unquote, like Hispanic or Latino, Latina, Latine uh, people in the United States and what their perception of them was. And it was just kind of like this giant grouping of like, yeah, they're all the same thing. Like, they're all Mexican. Mm. Oh, no. Um, right. And it's just like, no, we aren't. And there's a lot of history that, you know, belongs to this land that extends beyond even the birth of America. Like we've been here long before it's been even a country, mm. um, not even just the Mexican people and the Spaniards, but even the indigenous groups, prior, yes. like pre- pre-colonial, you know, like the people have existed here. They have a history and it's been constantly ignored or pushed to the side For and sure. never acknowledged. Um, and so like there's, when it comes to, like National Hispanic Heritage Month, not only is it something that we have to acknowledge and we like revisit as a topic, as a country, um, but I think it's also something within our own community that we have to kind of go back to because the Hispanic or Latinx community itself can be kind of toxic in its own way. We are mm-hmm. very competitive as and nationalistic in a way that we do limit each other and we do kind of go oh well they're not like us we speak spanish better or they cook their foods like this and we cook Mm. our foods like this and they're people from the caribbeans it's not the same but like it's there's just all these stigmas and generalizations about each other which is harmful 
And there's no progress that can be made if we do not acknowledge these harms that we do to each other and move forward. Because there's no way we can like fight for equality and equity and against white supremacy and racism mm. within our own community if we do not acknowledge the history and the facts that we have and the way we just hold each other back with these kind of sentiments. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, National Hispanic Heritage Month is history. It's going back in history, recognizing that we are a group of people, group of nations in history that does have a lot of historic trauma thanks to colonization. Mm. Um, But at the same time, we do have a lot of beauty and strength that goes beyond trauma and that we have a large community and it doesn't have to look or be one way. We are a multitude and we are an experience. And that's something we need to understand and acknowledge. So for other countries that don't, I guess, experience Hispanic Heritage Month, I, I think the only way they understand it is like Spain or maybe Portugal. Um, mm. But we are more. We are definitely more. And I think the way, the best way you can support these communities is just make space for them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that I think again like the how you said like make space for them that it's just important because I think a lot of people also get caught up with the you know the movements that are coming along especially when they don't belong to the community it does overshadow a lot of the you know the achievements and the voices of the minority communities that it's actually meant to be celebrating and although I mean although you know I mean I know that I really appreciate when people talk about issues surrounding South Indians or South Asians or you know caste-based discrimination or whatever but sometimes I find like you know that voice is also diminished a little bit because you're trying to be like hey I'm here too like let me speak from my lived experience but people are just yeah (laughs) but you know it's a difficult way to move around the platform especially now with you know activism education being on such a giant platform yeah it's it takes a lot of tact and Mm. humility to be able to move that and be able to purposely and effectively give people the voice and platform so for people to use that space it really has to come down to am I the person that should be speaking no if not then how can I possibly give Mm. the people who should be speaking that voice and platform so it just comes down to people being intentional with their work and mm-hmm. being mindful of, you know, the consequences of whether or not they should be taking up that space. Yeah, I understand that. And um, I mean, I'm guessing like that identity and that representation and that kind of acceptance of who you are also stems from when you're a kid. Um, yeah. I mean, what what's your experience you know someone as someone who advocates for non-binary individuals and the lgbtqia community and the caribbean community like how, how was that growing up for you oh my god uh, <laughs> it was very difficult it was very difficult because there are so many different labels um and it it felt like i had to be put in a certain box and have to be a certain way all the time and mm. i live in the deep south of louisiana so it's very conservative and I was raised very Baptist um, by my mother. And it was a very it was a community that didn't really accept or understand beyond the normal, you know, cis white Christian uh, perspective. 
There were not a lot of Koreans in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, nor a lot of Peruvians. So their understanding of well, those even cultures didn't even like go over, like was even understood. Mm. Um, the the most they got to that kind of representation was like Chinese people and Vietnamese people um, or Mexicans. And it was hard to kind of be like, no, I'm not any of those, but close, but no. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> so it was, it was very difficult. And I understand that when I was very young, I, I didn't even have the words to what to describe what I was or what I am today. I was just like, this doesn't feel right. I don't feel happy. This does not make me comfortable. Uh, I, I'm not comfortable in my own skin or who I am. And I hate being or f- acting the way that I have to act to survive. And so like even in middle school, I had a very like depressed uh, youth because I was constantly searching for like where I belonged, whether it was mm-hmm. culture, whether it was my uh, national identity because I was an immigrant, um, you know, the, my sexuality, my gender expression, all of these things were things that I, I tried to push the boundaries on, but obviously society pushes back stronger sometimes um and i just got so exhausted with labels which that labels are important right they're very important to people who need them yeah but at that point i think i was just so exhausted trying to find what i was that i eventually uh started coming up with my own name uh which is how we get corpus rent which is i created it in middle school and it's it was a good amalgamation and harmony based off my, you know, my cultures. I'm mm. Peruvian Korean and Corpus is Latin, which is the father language of Spanish, oh. which is my language. Ren is Chinese and it's the mother language of Korean, which is my mother's language. And Corpus is the physical manifestation of bot- like the body, like corpse. Ren is the philosophical concept of mankind um and what that means and for me i understood that fuck the labels right i, mean, I don't know mm-hmm. a lot but you like, can say whatever you want no sense right. so, like basically i just like fuck the labels i'm tired of it i just know that at the end of the day i want to be a decent human being i want to be a good person and i will continue to strive to do that um regardless of who i am and whatever identities are either labeled and pushed on to me or whatever i find myself in so the, the name Corpus Ren came about from that way. And that's, and eventually when I did come out as non-binary in 2017, 2018, um, I started going by the name Ren. Hmm. And that's where it came about. I didn't know that. I mean, I know I didn't know that, but I, I think that's such an incredible story because I feel like it's an amalgamation of all those different parts of you because I know I've found it pretty hard like with labels like growing up here and um you know kind of a tightrope between British and Indian culture you find Indians telling you that you are this and that and I'm like "Mm, but I'm not and then you have British people saying you but you're this and that and you but but I'm not that either and you know it took me even a while to figure out and I'm, I'm still figuring it out I mean, let's it's be real. Still figuring it out. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know about you, but I, there was a period of time where I felt like I had to adhere to a certain label to be accepted. Otherwise, people were going to make fun of me or I was going to continue to get discriminated because I didn't 
I felt so weird because I didn't fit in anything, but I knew there was something for me. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like the we live within within the hyphen is mm. what my friend Junior Lorenzo likes to say. So, uh, yeah, people with multiple identities, we we live between that hyphen. We're neither this or that, and that's okay. We can be two hundred percent of both. I love that. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that with me as well, because childhoods can be childhoods. <laughs> childhoods, you know, we didn't ask for them. Yeah. We ended up getting them. <laughs> they delivered in some capacity. <laughs> right. They, they are part of who we are and how we for should sure. form. So. For sure. Yeah. I mean, on that note, I think this is a time for a good old boogie with a song or a break but uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said that but Ren um as you know I do ask my guests to pick a song whatever they like so I'd love for you to pick a song um to play during our boogie break <laughs> a boogie break, a boogie um, break. Let's see. uh that's a hard one for me but I think one of Stromae's song to Slimem Okay. I, I do like that song. So I, yeah. I think I've heard of it before, which. It's a fun song. I enjoy mm. it. Mm. Well, that's what we'll play. So I'll okay. see you all after the break. Sounds good. But um. Cette fois c'était la dernière Tu peux croire que c'est qu'une crise Mate une dernière fois mon derrière Il est à côté de mes valises Tu diras au revoir à ta mère Elle qui t'idéalise Tu ne vois même pas tout ce que tu perds Avec une autre ce serait pire Quoi toi aussi tu veux finir maintenant C'est le monde à l'envers Moi je le disais pour te faire réagir seulement Toi tu pensais Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous Au prochain règlement Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous sûrement aux prochaines rêves Facile à dire, je suis gnangnang Et que j'aime trop les blablabla Mais non, 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 c'est important que t'appelles les ragnagna, tu sais, la vie c'est des enfants. Et comme toujours, c'est pas le bon moment. Ah oui, pour les faire, là tu es présent. Et pour les élever, il y aura des absents. Lorsque je ne serai plus belle, ou du moins au naturel. Arrête, je sais que tu mens, il n'y a que Kitmos qui est éternel. Moche ou belle, c'est jamais bon. Bête ou belle, c'est jamais bon. Belle ou moi, c'est jamais bon. Moi ou elle, c'est jamais bon. Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous au prochain règlement. Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous sûrement au prochain. 
les mêmes, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes, et y'en a marre, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes, et y'en a marre, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes, et y'en a marre, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes, tous les mêmes. Welcome back and we're here with Ren and they're amazing and we get along really well I think we just kind yeah. of bounce off each other <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like really funny and everyone should know them and follow them just Corpus Ren I'll tag oh it obviously God. but please like I've learned so much from them so do <laughs> um now speaking of your page um <laughs> as I said I do stalk it quite often and it's also because like on my on my last episode I had a very cool activist on and they were talking about colonization and I realized afterwards that you'd also pop some videos on there but from a different perspective and I was like gotta get in on it and I think one that really stuck out to me was when you spoke about how um there's you know um various examples of non-binary and gender fluid and spirit people is it two spirit people um yeah and how these identities have kind of been affected by industrial colonization I think if I've if I've learned anything um but I'd love to know more about it um because it's genuinely just very fascinating and the way you explain it is also really cool I think you had like little filters on and I was like ow um that was fun I enjoyed yeah but I loved how you spoke about how you know the terms man woman very limiting and how it wasn't always like that so I'd love to hear your perspective on it yeah, sure. So, I mean, basically just the, the gist of the video is me talking about um, the concept of man and woman didn't really always exist until colonization really perpetuated and solidified that concept for the purpose of reproduction and having a continuous slave trade. Um, mm. You know, they wanted to make sure they continued to have product. So they, they kind of invented and made up this concept of man and woman, who they are, what they are, how they work, and why they work, um, how they do, which is not entirely true. And it's, it's instead of doing the opposite. So prior to colonization, where there was multiple genders or multiple expressions is what I would mm-hmm. like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, most indigenous groups or most groups in general would recognize that there are differences within people and make space for them and recognize that oh this is what they call these this is what they are and this is what they are called okay that's what they are fine mm. that's what they are period like there's no question about it um and the roles that existed were kind of like more more like if you can do this great that's what you're gonna do now, mm. versus the roles that were perpetuated onto us got you um but yeah, so that's how it was prior. It was just making space and recognizing from the examples around us, the people that existed and just honoring and acknowledging those existences. Whereas now it's like, oh, you have the two binaries, the man and the woman, and 
you have to fit in one of these. You can't be both or either or something completely different. You have mm. to fit in these, you know, boxes and that's what you are. Yeah. Not one of these. You're clearly like some abomination of some sort and you're not, you know, helping society get along. Mm. Which is limiting and also wrong because science also backs up the different karyotypes of genetics of people of intersex people and of different you know the hormonal levels and such yeah that's so interesting i mean thank you for sharing your insight on that i think it's something that i personally want to look into more because like as i said like british people know nothing about colonization firstly and second (laughs) it's true facts see like when i was growing up i know this has nothing to do with what you just said but i thought thanksgiving obviously the typical very misinterpreted distorted story but i literally thought the whole thanksgiving was just to celebrate turkeys like their birthday but i couldn't figure out why people were eating them if that makes sense (laughs) Uh, yeah so, <laughs> I didn't really okay. no. even here in the states it was never properly taught it was always kind of like this white saviorism nationalist uh, narrative of like oh, Columbus no. woo Christopher Columbus came and then they had natives <laughs> and then the natives came and then we shared a meal and that and you know, we, we became friends woo yeah woo but like did you see you know about I think maybe it was a couple weeks ago that they finally I mean I know this evidence has existed for a while but like mainstream news sources have kind of said like Vikings had reached America like 500 600 years before Christopher Columbus even and and it's just like why do we celebrate this man but anyway that was very off tangent but uh (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> a story yeah. for another day um right? yeah <laughs> I mean I mean before I ask you something else but like did you ever find like an issue with that narrative when you were taught about it at school um about Christopher Columbus mm-hmm. oh <laughs> fun story so my father again is a professor and he focuses on Spanish literature and colonization so as even as a young child, I'd come home and be like, we learned this new song about Christopher Columbus and <laughs> oh he sailed the ocean blue in 1492. <laughs> and he would be like, right. And you know what else he did after he sailed the ocean blue in 1492? And I'm like, I, I guess founded America. And he, he immediately dropped the bomb on me and was like, if he found America, then why isn't America called Columbus? Why is it called America and I'm like I don't know and he's like because it's based off an Italian whose name is America Vespucci or something like that and I'm like oh not Christopher Columbus and then he's like no Christopher Columbus was a terrible person but I'm not gonna tell you because you're like six so just know he was not a good guy yeah and then like as the years go on he would tell me a little bit more about like colonization Christopher Mm. Columbus but he would always drop those little seeds and be like why is it was it like that like why is it called America what did he actually do um why did were they sent over here those kind of questions and he really kind of set up the example of like you have to question everything and be open to the experiences and knowledge and multiple interpretations that exist and really just dig um and so 
as a young child, I think that's where a lot of my love for education came from. Obviously, my dad just kind of like planting those little seeds of questions. Mm. Like, Why do they do that? Let's find out. There was never, a, there was never a, a guilt or, or what was a shaming of like, oh, you don't know? Mm. It was more of like, well, let's find out. If just we don't being know inquisitive the answer, and yeah, exactly. he, oh, he nurtured that. that inquisitive side. And my mother also, because she's a scientist. Mm. So it was always just like, well, it's okay if you don't know. Someone might know and we can ask them. And it was, I think that's what also continued nurturing my education or my love for education. So uh, yeah, my concept of colonization from very young age has always been like, hmm, mm-hmm. let's question this. And I would even I'd ask the teachers back then and be like, so why did he want to come here? Or like, what did they actually do? Um, <laughs> they probably like, they don't pay me enough to answer this question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, okay, well, my dad said he'll tell me next year. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for my next birthday, I'm going to get to know a little bit. Of- <laughs> a little bit of this. Like even watching Pocahontas, the Disney version, my dad was like, Pocahontas was a real person, you know? And I'm like, yeah. oh did not know she's like but she was very young when she met john smith i'm like oh how old was he he's like old <laughs> yeah i think she was like 14 was like and he was like yeah like 40 and apparently they, yeah apparently they didn't, like barely even interacted and then they just went bada bing, bada boom, and i was like oh <laughs> and then, yeah there was there was a whole lot he would he would dissect a lot of my disney movies or anything that i read like learned at school he'd be like let's talk more about that yeah yeah i mean like so, you know something speaking of disney like do you know the movie princess and the frog yeah i i love that film and like it's in new orleans and um i think her best friend charlotte like tiana's best friend charlotte she lives in like this massive house yeah and i like they they yeah yeah so like they zoom out (laughs) and i was like i i've seen this house somewhere because it looked really familiar like it had like two staircases coming down it's like i know this house and then i googled the i think his name is a candy man or the sugar man in django unchained like leonardo Mm -hmm. DiCaprio's character he lives in that house which is based on a real house and i was just like (laughs) (laughs) so he's living in a plantation house yep my childhood um (laughs) I just I don't know and then like I asked my friends and they were just like stop it you're ruining Disney for us and I was like no no I mean you can still enjoy things but also understand and acknowledge the traumatic history that comes with it mm. you're allowed to be multiple feelings about a thing like I, sure. I may not like a person but may like the work that they do whether mm. or not I'm going to financially support them that's a whole different new story you know? like, <laughs> certain art uh author about wizards and such that have their own theme parks um love the childhood that it brought me and the fun parks and you know will always be a ravenclaw but am i going to continue financially supporting them no i'm just gonna go on etsy and buy it from someone else oh yeah for sure I bought a time turner for about like 15 pounds at a harry potter shop right Right, it's gonna be a Gryffindor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, that's fine. It's fine. But like, I got like this cool elixir of life necklace for like. Oh, love that! It looked way better than the official merch, and I got it from an independent seller from a small business at a market. And I was like, "Give it to me, give right. it." I was like, How did I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, 
Now, this is a rather serious one, but you know, the past couple of years have obviously been hard. Uh, we are in a pandemic still, which is crazy because I was one of those people who thought it was gonna get over in three weeks. Oh, we all hoped. It was funny because the lockdown started and my boyfriend was like, oh, don't worry. They're going to say it's lasting for three weeks. I'll come see you. And I was like, OK. And we like separated. And, like, and they were like, oh, another month, another month, another month, another year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. um, but it's been awfully hard on the Asian-American and Pacific Islander community, the AAPI. I don't know why I abbreviated it, but um, obviously there was a shitload of violence and just more discrimination. And I mean, not that it's not been there all this time, but it just got ridiculous. And um, I know that you've spoken about the AAPI, like uh, how to be an ally. And I was just wondering how we as students can be better allies and also just what the fuck like why oh just the whole thing <laughs> that, that's all I have to say like what, what the fuck like why that's why um I mean I know I don't I don't even know why um but yeah I'd love to know your thoughts on how we can be better allies to the community and how we can support and listen to those stories and keep spreading awareness about you know stop freaking hurting people and discriminating right. them right Fuck's I feel sake. like this should be at this point kind of common sense Mm. Um, but you know, common sense is not very common. Um, <laughs> as as marginalized people, I feel like we often feel like we have to do the duty of educating others mm. um, who don't understand. Which I think, if you want to do that and you have the, <coughs> the space in mind, oh my, sorry, go on, go go go, okay. Um, <laughs> But if you have the energy and the mindset and the patience to be an educator, by all means, do so. Um, but also make sure you have those boundaries set because you shouldn't put yourself in the line of fire just so someone else can benefit from learning from you. Yeah. But uh, I think it really comes down to the people benefiting from racism who need to take that ownership as well as taking this the steps to learn about history uh, and how their actions have hurt people. And that just comes down to them having to do the work. Because we can we can educate as much as we want, but it's, it's, it's just like a conversation. We can say things as much as we want, but if you're not comprehending what we're saying, then I'm just talking to air, right? Mm. They have to make the effort to actually want to learn and make the changes to do better. And that will have to do with learning the history, understanding the the work and the impact that they have, whether it's positive or negative, and use their platform and their privilege to make space for voices that need to be heard. And that goes beyond just the AAPI community. That goes for every community. Sure. So it just, just comes down to that. Yeah. And I agree with you um, about especially what you said. Like, I think as marginalized people, I don't think we're under any obligation to, you know, it's not like we have to educate people. Even here at my university, they, some people, like, they have diversity officers in societies. And though they are there and it's brilliant that we have diversity officers, sometimes they assume that the diversity officer is there to educate 
all the white people on what to do and what not to do and what's right and wrong. And I think it goes beyond that. And I think, as, as you said, like just taking that extra step and going and learning and, you know, we can only take people half way there. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's like how much work you put in because as you said like if you're not in a space to educate people it's it's okay I feel um because you don't have to jump in on everything and um it's really hard not to do that sometimes like for me I found that as a huge issue like I'd want to speak about everything like I'd be like oh brown people this okay and then I just realized like I need to take a step back for myself and just also learn and also just breathe and let myself be sad about this and let myself be angry about it and yeah, I really love the way that you explain that. It's a way better way than whatever I just said. I don't mm-hmm. know. No, you did a wonderful job. Because, it's, I mean, it's true. I think when people look at educators, they it's kind of like a teacher, right? Kids mm. look at teachers and expect them to just always live in that space. And then you see them at the grocery store, and you're like, oh, my God, they're human. Yeah. And same with online educators or any educator that you see um, that does the anti-racism work or, you know, any of these kind of works we are human at the end of the day and we get exhausted too. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't consistently want to talk about the oppression and the racism and all the dark stuff. Sometimes we have our own joy and we have our own lives that we For want sure. to focus on and we're, we should be allowed to do that. So I think that's, that's where it comes down to just respecting that space and being like, I'm not educating you today. There are multiple resources out there Go find them yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, I think, you know, literally what you just said, like, I think once I made like this very comprehensive post with like these things or whatever. And then some Karen came on the post and was just like, um, where are the links? Where's the extra information? I was like, maybe read the post first. It has everything there. And if you need anything more, Google. Like, I just, uh, but um. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. Just probably wanted to rant about the Karen. Um, <laughs> but Sometimes yeah. you need to rant about the Karen. Yeah, they're just bleh. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, Ren, uh, I wish I could talk to you for ages, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to say a very sad goodbye. Oh, it's okay. It's not going to be a sad goodbye. We'll see you online. You know, you still yeah. have my, you still have my uh, your deeds stuff. My deets. Yeah. Have your deets. So, have your deets. We always we, have conversations elsewhere. Yeah. We bonded now, I feel. And, you know, I'd love to have you on the show again. I feel like there's so much to unpack and talk about. And honestly, Absolutely. like, I feel like if I just spoke to you, like, just not questions, I just feel like we could just go on for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it was genuinely such a joy speaking to you. You're so kind and warm and so captivating to listen to and learn from. And like, I can't wait to see where you go. And I'm glad I've nabbed you before all the big guns do because, <laughs> you know, like oh my goodness. in a couple months in a couple years when like you're just somewhere else and I'll be like she came on my show once you know I got it <laughs> <one." laughs> oh my god what a oh but thank you <laughs> maybe I'm just maybe I'm just kissing up to you to take the dog <laughs> you know what uh yeah we'll, we'll have to see yeah <laughs> no no I'm kidding but Ren thank you so much for coming on and um, it was lovely having you it was an absolute pleasure and I'll have to say goodbye
right. Okay. Till next time. Till next time. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.